Well, US stocks are rising again on the hope again of a stimulus deal. It's now or wait till January. Brexit is also moving very slowly. No talks are happening there. Maybe there won't be a deal. Big demands for new corona bonds in Europe and central banks focused on negative rates. Well, except for the Fed and the race for the White House. Well, it's going to be a big surprise if it's not Joe Biden. So the real race now is for the Senate. Could the Democrats take both houses? It's Wednesday, the 21st of October, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is down again today, losing another 0.4% on the DXY. But again, it's not helping the Aussie dollar. That's down too at 70.7 US cents. The pound is down too, but the euro is up half a percent and US equities are on the rise. All indices are at the most one or two points away from being 1% up. We've got falls in Europe though, a 0.9% fall in the DAX and the FTSE 100 is fairly flat. The ASX 200, of course, finished 0.7% down yesterday, but maybe that'll switch around today with that big rise in equities in the US. Bond yields are creeping up in the US and Europe. 10-year Treasury is up 0.8%. That's 11 basis points in five days. And we've got a a 1.7% rise in WTI crude this morning. Most of that's happened in the last few hours. And it's Tapa Strickland with us today, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. So the optimism in US equities, Tapas, you don't have to be too bright to figure this one out. Again, it's those last-ditch talks this afternoon in the US between Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin on a $2 trillion stimulus package. But you know what? Maybe it's going to happen because it sounds like uh, they're going to use some more of that money for testing and tracing because they think that's going to appeal to the the Republicans because that is really tackling the, the virus front on. Uh, and so there's a recognition that, uh, that now that maybe this will happen, particularly, uh, you know, when they've got close to 60,000 new cases each day in the United States right now. Good morning, Phil. Yes, it does seem like there's a little bit more hopes uh, that a US stimulus bill might be passed uh, this side of the November election. And just being aware that the November election is just about a fortnight away now. Um, Yesterday, Pelosi had indicated that Tuesday was her hard deadline for a deal to be finalised, uh, but she did say, um, or at least she was downplaying that Tuesday was actually a firm deadline and so that was really the deadline to have the terms on the table so that did buoy markets that perhaps you do get a US uh, stimulus deal uh, in the near term. Also helping at the margin were some uh, relatively positive headlines on vaccine development. Um, so um, As- um, AstraZeneca said it could resume its trials in the US this week. Moderna said, uh, I think it was the day before yesterday, that uh, the company's vaccine could be available for emergency use in December if it gets positive results from its trial in November. So those two things are still keeping uh, hopes alive um, that just given mm. where household and business balance sheets are at the moment, uh, that you could get a pretty swift uh, recovery coming through once you do get um, some kind of vaccination uh, receiving emergency approval out yeah. there. In the UK on the vaccine front, then they're actually calling for people, healthy people to take part in what they're calling human challenge studies. They're looking for volunteers right now, which means they basically give you the COVID-19 vaccine. Good luck finding volunteers for that, I, I would have thought. Just back to, uh, to to US stocks then. Donald Trump's been tweeting again today how well they're doing. It is curious. I mean, okay, you've given the reasons why we're, we're seeing the, uh, the benefits today. But if we go back and look at how US equities, you know, in the long run have been doing compared to Europe or Australia, the Dow is pretty much back to pre-pandemic levels. It's up 20% since the beginning of May. The NASDAQ, of course, well above pre-pandemic levels. It's up 30% 6 May, and yet the Eurostox 50. 
only up 7% since May. It's been pretty flat since July and still 16% below pandemic highs. And it's a similar pattern for the ASX 200. So how much of that is, uh, you know, that the US is doing well and how much of it is the fact that the Fed has uh, added $3 trillion to its balance sheet since April? I mean, this this looks like a clear sign, doesn't it, that QE is, is boosting share prices. And what does that do for the economy in the long term, particularly when the Fed wants to try and wind back on those asset purchases? Oh, indeed. And I think uh, the broad narrative that is really seeing uh, the US um, outperform the rest of the world in terms of um, equity markets over the past year, I think is really three factors. So one, uh, the composition of the S&P 500 itself, so very heavily weighted towards the big US tech names, uh, so the big FANG stocks, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet and Facebook, and they now comprise around 23% of the market cap of the S&P 500. So yeah. uh, the s- second one is is uh, some slight differences in the approach uh, to tackling the coronavirus. Yes, yeah, so a few lockdowns. But, I mean, may- maybe it hasn't helped their cases, but uh, perhaps helped the economy in the short term. Uh, and then the third one is just uh, when you look at the size of the US fiscal stimulus that's been done today, is one of the largest uh, fiscal packages uh, that you've seen around the world. Yeah. Uh, as for low rates and as for QE, well, that's really a factor that's occurring right around the world. So you can't necessarily attribute uh, the outperformance of the US and just necessarily to that, but it is one of the key underpinnings for why stock valuations, um, according to classical valuation models, look elevated. Uh, but if you think rates are going nowhere for a very long time and they're going to be virtually n- near zero, uh, mm-hmm. then then uh, you'd have to say stock valuations look pretty good at the moment. Well, let's hope so. But look, you know, if you don't want to, if you're worried about stocks, then buy bonds. And there has been big demand demand today for the EU's first, well, let's call them Corona bonds, $17 billion worth of bonds on offer, $233 billion in bids. Uh, so even though the yield is negative, people still want to buy them because it's less negative than German bonds uh, yields. But uh, look, if they issue lots of these, what does it what does it mean for French and German bonds? Because who's going to buy French bonds or Italian bonds, for example, if you can get European bonds that are, are safer because they've got a central bank sitting behind them and and they're giving a better yield? It's, it's, it's a very good question there. And you'd have to say there's uh, probably enough appetite out there uh, to to uh, fulfill all of those mandates out there. And uh, when you look at the EU uh, pricing for that bond, uh, generally prices between where uh, German debt and French debt is trading. I think uh, the UK managed to get out of uh, the EU just in the nick of time, didn't it? Because if they were going to do it in a year's time, imagine if there's this build-up of debt trying to figure out who goes what. So that would have complicated those negotiations, which looks like they are going nowhere. I mean, we've had a couple of days now where there's been no talks on Brexit. Uh, Boris Johnson's Still saying, look, the, it, it's the EU's fault, but nothing's moving. Yes, it's uh, it's very hard, but I guess um, both sides haven't walked away from those talks, although they haven't uh, necessarily resumed those talks. I think that's the key thing, still keeping a little bit of hope, uh, at least in terms of markets, uh, that some kind of deal will come at the end of the day. Uh, in uh, the UK, I think it was also interesting uh, the BOE's uh, Ville, um reiterating that his view on the economy. Uh, is that it's skewed to the downside uh, and that uh, the Bank of England may need to do more in terms of adding stimulus. And he put the focus back onto negative rates, uh, saying he doesn't think QE will do that much more uh, for the economy and that they need to create extra headroom for the BOE to move in. And when you look at market pricing now, the markets are pricing a a negative five basis point bank rate in the UK by mid next year. Yeah, and we had uh, Governor Orr from the RBNZ in New Zealand talking about uh, negative interest rates yesterday saying they can be highly effective and highly efficient it seems everyone is going down the negative interest rate road yes everybody apart from the fed so uh the feds have 
Jones was out overnight saying there's not much appetite within the Fed for negative rates. So there is going to be some kind of policy divergence if both the RBNZ and the BOE go down negative rates, mm. but the Fed uh, doesn't go down that way. Yeah. Well, uh, look, before we get on to the RBA and the, uh, and the minutes yesterday, let's quickly sidestep and have a look at uh, the, those housing starts, building permits and housing starts, a big bounce back from uh, a fairly big fall in housing starts in April in the United States. A big chunk of this seems to be, and this is a phenomenon happening around the world, people moving to the burbs. This could be the one lasting impact of COVID the world over, couldn't it? We were all losing, leaving the city centres and uh, wanting a, a bit more space out in the suburbs. Oh, in, in, indeed, and just the um, headline build, building permits in the US, they were 5.2% month to month versus 3% expected, so very strong. And over the past six months, you've seen very strong um, housing uh, permits and starts uh, data. And the single uh, family permits, so the detached housing that you'd see in the suburbs, that's now the strongest level seen since March 2007. Um, so it does tell you that there has been a massive surge in demand uh, for detached uh, dwellings. And you may attribute that to the impacts of covid 19 and being wanting to live in the suburbs rather than in the inner cities. And right around the world, we're seeing uh, detached housing um, dwelling approvals are rising, and that's also including in us including in Australia. Right. Now, let's look at the, those RBA minutes yesterday because they did express concern that there's QE in other parts of the world and what this might mean for bond yields in Australia and uh, to the value of the Aussie dollar, which is perhaps why they're thinking, well, maybe we should uh, do more of that sort of stuff ourselves. Yes, in, indeed. So the, in the RBA minutes, wasn't too much apart from uh, confirming what uh, the market and what we at NAB have been thinking for some time, that the RBA is set to undertake further policy easing at the November meeting, and that further policy easing will include a cut to the cash rate, the three-year yield curve control target, and uh, the TFF rate uh, to 0.10%, as well as uh, a pure QE in the five to 10-year part of the curve. And as you noted, uh, the, the RBA is increasingly coming to the view that in order to compare the stance of policy um, between Australia and the rest of the world, they have to start looking at the size of the relative balance sheets of the central banks um, rather than just looking at strictly interest rate differentials. And they think when they look at that balance sheet differential, that's part of the reason why Australian yields have been higher than the rest of the world and why possibly the Australian dollar has remained elevated. Whereas in prior shocks, you probably would have thought the Australian dollar would be lower than it Currently and uh, Australian payrolls yesterday, second half of September, those numbers uh, for all states were down. So we can't just we can't just look and say it's it's the result of the Victorian shutdown. Uh, it it's uh, it's it's broad spread, isn't it? Yeah, so the payrolls were really interesting, and I think we were discussing uh, the payrolls data a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're noting that we're going to be looking quite closely at WA just to see how far jobs can rebound uh, when you do have. Uh, international borders uh, still in place. Um, and it was just really interesting that uh, in WA, um, a couple of weeks ago, payrolls had pretty much fully um, reversed their pre, uh, sorry, their pandemic losses and were actually at pre-pandemic levels. But when you actually looked at the detailed industry splits, that was driven by additional jobs in education, health care and public admin. And that offset the job losses that were still evident in the accommodation, retail, agri and transport space. So it does look like the composition of the labour market is uh, shifting around uh, due to um, the COVID-19 restrictions and due to the international border uh, closures there. Um, what that means for the rest of the economy, though, uh, remains a little bit 
unclear, but what we can say is until you really do open those international borders, it's likely you'll see continued weakness in uh, employment in uh, the accommodation and in the retail space. Yeah, and education as well. Look, uh, not not much data-wise today. UK inflation for September, uh, it was negative in August, uh, month on month. Uh, the inflation rate for Canada as well, also negative. We get oil stocks for Europe. We know how volatile oil has been lately. Not much else, really, apart from lots of central bank speakers. There's a few of them out. And of course, US earnings season continues. That will have been influencing share prices quite a bit too. We've got Netflix after the close today. Uh, and then the question about what happens next on the US election. The debate is a couple of days away. It's on Friday morning, our time. Uh, I love the fact that the broadcaster said they're going to cut off the microphones to stop them talking over each other, which I can imagine Donald Trump is not going to be very happy about. He's just going to have to yell louder if that's the case. But look, in terms of the election, I mean, it, it is a Donald Trump uh, uh, loss, isn't it? I mean, it's a Biden victory. I think that's taken as red now, oh, isn't it? In, 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 indeed. And so our focus has shifted away from necessarily the presidential race more to the Senate race. <clears throat> I think that's where it's, and I think that's where it's really interesting. And uh, markets are trading on this hope that uh, if a fiscal package doesn't get approved before the November election, then a massive package will be approved after November. Uh, if the Democrats flip the Senate, and when you look at polling, uh, the Senate is very, very close at the moment. So, uh, real clear politics uh, gives it uh, forty-six each for Republican and Democrats, with eight undecided, uh, and those eight undecided are very, very tight. The they moment. wouldn't be able to pass that until January. That's three months away. That's still a long time, isn't it? Uh, uh, for people to be going mm. without that money. Anyway, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, Tapas, catch you again very soon. Thanks. Yeah, cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. It's Dave DeGuys joining me from NAB in London tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back tomorrow morning. Have yourself a great day.